I'm your average everyday American citizen who cares about his country and the people in it. I care about the world and the way the world views America. Given these trying times that America faces today, I like to look at the issues and attack them with an objective mind. So maybe hello. one day. Welcome to Feeling feel Blue so in a red state. red state. This is Eric Garrison, and I am here to talk to you about, hopefully, for the last time, Donald Trump. Uh, Michigan has certified the results as a Biden victory. So has Pennsylvania. So has Nevada. So is Arizona. So we have certified the states that Biden would have needed or Trump would have needed in order to win the election. As of right now, it is a landslide victory for Joe Biden, who will be the 46th president of the United States of America. Thank God. Um, of course, there are still the wild conspiracy theories that are circulating throughout the internet. And um, I've, I have a feeling this is going to be the case for quite a while. Um, what I and what many of my colleagues are doing is um, we are going to vow to um, to not give them any uh, attention. To, you know, just laugh them off. Don't respond to them. Just let them say what they're going to say and let them talk amongst themselves and pay no attention to it. And it'll eventually die off. The more we engage these people, the, the louder they're going to get. And the more... You know, it's going to maybe not necessarily validate their claims, but it'll at least make people think about them. And then the louder it gets, the more vulnerable people will hear it and um, possibly, you know, jump into this belief system that somehow Donald Trump got cheated out of this election. The facts of the matter are Donald Trump did not get cheated out of this election. There has been zero evidence of any voter fraud, period. People in Donald Trump's cabinet have said that this is the most secure election in the history of the United States. More secure than 2016. More secure than any other election. There has not been any election that has had this much attention to voter fraud and the prevention of voter fraud. Therefore, he lost. It's that simple. It is that simple. And, you know, I get it. Your guy lost and it sucks, you know, and there was a lot of people that voted for him, you know, more than any other president previously, obviously not more than Joe Biden, um, as Joe Biden got 6 million more votes. However, um, Donald Trump got more votes than any other president in the past. He did, uh, he did draw in a lot of turnout, a lot of turnout that was actually quite frankly, unexpected. Um, so he did, you know, for as bad of a president as he was. And he was very bad. Don't make no mistake. He was a very horrible president. He was very good at marketing himself and he was very good at controlling the media. He was very good at controlling the narrative and how we spoke about him. And he was good at promoting himself. Now, in doing so, he was lying, but, but, uh, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. When you're talking about, you know, like business and stuff like that, which is Donald Trump's thing, you know, even though he's a horrible businessman, too, he was very good at promoting himself. That's how he stayed. He kept his head above water for all this time um, was just his ability to control the narrative about him with with complete and utter lies. But, but you know, he's got that he's got that uncanny ability to not have empathy or not not have any sort of moral compass 
in order to, uh, you know, he he can look somebody in the face and lie to them and and not feel bad about it. That's a gift that he has, I guess. Um, or most people like you or I would feel bad if we looked into a camera and lied to 330 million people about a deadly virus that was coming to kill them. And we just told them it was no big deal. Most people would have a moral issue with that, but not him. Which kind of gave him a benefit when it comes to promoting himself as he could, you know, he could really push, you know, whatever, whatever was he knew was going to help him at the time. And he knew he was not going to lose any sleep at night over it uh, because because he doesn't have a conscience or morality or any of that. Um, things that we find um, that we want our leaders to have. Um, he just doesn't have those which in turn, this is why it made him a horrible leader, but a great self-promoter, which is what led to him getting 71 million votes. Um, so with the election now finally coming to an end, <laughs> finally, um, the White House has said that they are going to allow, and this is actually new because until like recently, and there was not, nothing said, nothing come out of there. They're said that they're going to allow for a peaceful transition. They're going to start uh, giving Joe Biden the access to some of the top secret stuff that he needs access to and some of the funds that he needs access to so he can start hiring his cabinet, start putting things in place that um, that he needs to put in place, you know, to, uh, you know, kind of hit the ground running. Um, this is actually a big deal. And I don't know if it was... And, We've yet to hear Trump say this. Um, it's basically White House officials have said it. Uh, but, you know, we can take that for what it is. And who knows how true it is. Because if it's one thing we've learned in the last four years is you can't believe anything that comes out of that White House because right now it is corrupt. Corrupt as it's ever been. We've had scandals. We've had scandals. But, geez, I mean, even Richard Nixon is, like, looking down saying, God oh, damn, how do you guys like me now? I don't, I don't seem so bad now, do I? And we basically the answer to that is you nah, still were bad but man <laughs> I, would, I would rather have you right now um than george w is the same way it's like you know george for for all the horrible legislation and all the horrible uh you know policies that george w had he uh he actually seemed pretty good here these last four years too and i always joked always joked about uh, that when Donald Trump first won it was like, man, you know, the happiest person in the, in the world right now is, and it isn't, it isn't Donald Trump. It's George W. Bush. Cause he knew at that moment that he was not going to go down as the worst president in history. He knew at that moment that he was going to be able to at least say he wasn't the worst. And, and he can now we've seen the worst. We've seen the worst in action. And we're now holding the worst president ever to one term. Congratulations. I'm so proud of the American people. So proud of the 77 million people that got out and they voted for Joe Biden. I'm happy. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for doing that because without that, we would have to deal with four more years of this mayhem. And I don't know that we would have survived it. I really don't. Um, and I think we would have become so divided that that I don't think we would have ever been able to, you know, find our way back to the middle somewhere. And um, 
And that's that's the thing is, you know, like, of course, there's large outcry, large outcry uh, for, you know, on the Republican side of things, you know, saying things, you know, you know, spewing their normal bullshit of, you know, well, enjoy socialism and all that stuff. It's like, guys, that argument doesn't work for Joe Biden. That argument doesn't work. He's not Bernie Sanders. He's not. He's not Elizabeth Warren. He is not, you know, AOC. He's not that progressive. I mean, he's a centrist. He was the vice president for another centrist. I mean, like it or not, Obama was a centrist. He was not progressive, not like these other guys. He was a very much a centrist, and he very much liked to work on both sides of the aisle. He liked to make, and and Joe Biden, more than probably anybody in politics right now, is good at negotiating with both sides. Um, they, they have a mutual respect. They were colleagues for a lot of years. They've made deals together before, and they have a rapport that, um, that even though it's, and it's highly unlikely that the Democrats do take the Senate, although it's not impossible, we do have the House, but we don't have a supermajority. We won't have a supermajority of the Senate. So... But I suppose that wouldn't matter as long as we had the House, too, and we could get rid of the filibuster. But if we don't get rid of the filibuster and we don't have a supermajority, nothing's probably going to get done until we get rid of Mitch McConnell, um, who's vowed to, you know, kill anything that any Democrat ever tries to put through, put on his desk, which he's proven that he's not lying with because the uh, stimulus package is, that we were promised you know, eight months ago, still hasn't gone, still hasn't gone through, got signed. Um, it's, it's, it's deadlocked, you know, he wants to pass this uh, absurdly low number stimulus package that doesn't really help many people. And Nancy Pelosi on the other, on the other side is really pushing a big stimulus package. However, you know, they say that the spending in it is too high, but it's like, what, what is too high? The government has the money, regardless if they want to say it or not. Why not? Why not help your people? Every other country is. Every other country is. Why not ours? Ours is the worst. This country has the worst outbreak of this virus, and yet, and yet, our government is offering the least amount of help. Why is that? Why is that? You know, is it? Is it an immigration tactic? It's like, are we, are we trying, you know, because Donald Trump's big thing was to stop this, you know, this, you know, close the borders down or everything like that. Is it, what is he, is his plan to, to make it so shitty here that nobody wants to come here because it's fucking working, Donald. Um, I just don't understand why, why every other country can, uh, other countries that don't have, the resources we do can offer their, their citizens so much more in the ways of help during a pandemic and they're controlling the pandemic a lot better. And, but so where I don't understand why that, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe somebody else knows. I don't know. What I do know is that America needs to heal. 
I know that. We've got a lot of healing to do. And we don't really have a lot of time to do it in. We've got a new financial crisis. We've got a pandemic that's still actually worse now than it's ever been. Still there. We have a vaccine, maybe. But we don't know. We don't know if it's going to work. Testing suggests that it is. So hopefully it's correct. And hopefully it's something that we can count on in the future. But it's not here yet. It's not done yet. It's not available yet. And when it is available, that financial crisis is still going to be there. What are we going to do? Are we going to sit back and struggle longer, longer than we ever needed to? Yeah, we are. We are going to. And, and that's, what, that's what is very disheartening. And it didn't need to be this way is what the problem is. And I know you're thinking, well, it's not just one person, but it kind of is. Kind of is. Because had this one person, the leader of the free world, the most powerful person in the entire world, had this one person got up there and told the truth when he knew the cost, he knew the dangers and lied to us had he told the truth had he pushed to do the right things i wonder where we'd be right now you know there are countries out there that have less than 100 deaths we're nearing 300,000 deaths let that sink in there's not another country out there that's got more deaths than us. There's not. Even the countries that have a lot more people than us don't have that many deaths. Only us. Why is that? Is it because of our awesome leadership or is it because of our shitty leadership? I'm inclined to suggest that it's the latter. Anyways, not to get too dark there. This is a celebration. We no longer have to deal with that. In January, which is right around the corner, we get to say goodbye, motherfucker. And we get to welcome in our good old regular ass president. Was he the guy I wanted? No. Joe Biden is not the guy I wanted. Hands down. Definitely not. I wanted Bernie Sanders. Hands down. I wanted either Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. And I wanted whoever, whichever one of them didn't win, I wanted them to be the vice. And that is what I wanted. So if Elizabeth Warren was president, I wanted Bernie to be vice and vice versa. And, and I wanted, in a, and that's what I wanted. I agree with almost everything that both of those two stand for. Joe Biden, not quite there. But I do think Joe Biden is the only one of those three that, that um, was going to be Donald Trump. I do think that. And um, 
I wish that wasn't the case because I think Bernie Sanders would have made an excellent president. And I think that this was probably his last chance at being that due to his age. Um, Elizabeth Warren, maybe he's got another run at it in her future. She's up there at age two. She's in her seventies. So who knows? But I think the, the progressive leaning Dems is, is where is more right in line with where I'm at on that. Um, and I, but I think right now with everything that Joe Biden has gone through in his life and a country that really needs to heal and a country that really needs somebody up there with empathy, somebody that somebody with integrity, somebody that can, that can work both sides of the aisle, somebody that could negotiate with Republicans where I think that's, that's kind of not where Bernie's, that's not one of Bernie's strong points because he's so far left that. And, and and so entrenched and so in you know engulfed in his views as um as a progressive that I think he would struggle to um to meet anybody in the middle and vote in the way he's voted on certain things has suggested that as well. I mean, I'm not just saying that that this is what I think about Bernie. I mean he he's vote his the way he's voted on specific things has, has suggested that he's he's not um willing to uh to compromise at times when maybe, maybe he should have been and, and, or, or maybe not, you know, I mean, you can look at that both ways. I mean, you can also look at, well, at least he stands by his convictions, which I agree with. And, um, and, but when you're in a two party system, sometimes you got to meet the other side in the middle somewhere. If you want to get anything done, otherwise you're just going to be hopelessly deadlocked forever. And everything's going to stay the same as it is right now, which as a progressive, you think, Maybe that's not the best. Maybe that's not the best for what, you know, if for even, even for your uh, agenda is, you know, you want to get these progressive ideals. Sometimes you got to take steps. You know, you can't, you can't just go from private healthcare to Medicare for all. If <laughs> I mean, it'd be great if you could, and you probably could, if you had a super majority in the Senate and a super, I mean, if you had these, you know, big majorities on the house and the Senate, yeah, sure. That'd probably work. But you know when your when your ideas are so far left that some that some of your more center leaning uh, Democrats, I mean you 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 lose you know you run the risk of maybe um, you know getting outside of where they feel comfortable as well, which is uh, another thing that I think Joe Biden's a lot better at. Um, and Joe Biden's got the experience in the White House; he's kind of seen how it goes down, and he worked as a vice president underneath my opinion, the best president we've ever had, at least in our lifetime. So be that as it may, I'm not, uh, I'm not crazy excited for, uh, for Joe Biden presidency, but I am not, I'm not, uh, I'm disappointed either. I think that, um, I think it's right. Exactly what we need, which is basically what I'm saying. I'm just saying it in way too many words. So I'm going to move on. Um, next on the agenda, we have, a lot of hot topics that are getting ready to come up for vote. Um, we've got a stacked Supreme Court, not on our side, but on the conservative side. And I'm thinking, well, they're looking at taking a shot at Roe v. Wade. And that's that's disheartening. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Roe v. Wade is, uh, is abortion rights, right to choose, right to, you know, right for a woman to say what goes on with her body, um, which I 
unequivocally agree with. I think that there is, I don't know, I don't understand how anybody could ever, ever think that that shouldn't be a right for women to do with their body what they want. Um, the other side says it's murder. The other side says, I don't want, or they don't want to see dead babies and all this stuff. But most abortions happen in the first trimester. It's not a baby yet. It's not even doesn't look like a baby. It doesn't seem like a baby. It, um, it's not. It's just not. Um, the abortions that happen in the third trimester, and these are the ones that people bring up when they're, you know, pro-life. They only bring up these. They don't bring up the ones in the first trimester because they know that those don't pull on the people's heartstrings like a fully developed baby does. Okay. Here's my thoughts on that. Actually, these are not even really my thoughts. I'm kind of paraphrasing Pete Buttigieg because I think he said it really well. And, and this isn't a direct quote, but it's kind of it was kind of the position that he took on it anyways. Um, but it was his idea, sort of. Uh, so I'd at least give him a little bit of the credit for it because, but I, but I hate to, uh, like I said, I'm not quoting him directly. So if I say something that wasn't quite in line with what he said, this isn't his quote directly. Um, but basically what he said, and I'm going to smoke a cigarette while I do this because, because uh, it's my body and my choice. <laughs> Don't smoke though. Horrible habit. I wish I would have never started. Anyways, so people that have an abortion in the third trimester generally have painted a nursery. They have picked names out. They've probably bought supplies, baby clothes, diapers, formula, maybe. Um, these people, you know, were excited to have a baby. If they let it get this far, they were planning on having a baby. They may not have planned the pregnancy. However, they were planning on having a baby and they were probably excited for it. Probably had names picked out. Like I said, probably had a nursery painted, probably had, you know, a, you know, gender reveal party and had had a, you know, you know, they had bought things that you need when you're having a baby. Um, and then got told Horrible news. Got dealt some of the worst news as a, a new parent could ever hear. And then had to make an impossible decision to terminate a pregnancy that had almost gone to term. Uh, now, these people, after making this horrible decision that they had to make, that they never wanted to make, that they never wanted to have to decide, have to go to a clinic to have this horrible act done on them that they didn't want to do. And then on their way in the door, they get called a murderer and a monster and Satan and whatever else these pro-life motherfuckers want to yell at her. While she's going in there after making the hardest decision that she's ever had to make in her entire life. Shame on you. Call yourself pro-life. What about the woman? What about the mom? What about her life? Do we not value it? If you're pro-life, you're pro-life. You need to value all life. 
including hers. Now, if she made this decision and this decision was not easy to make, then don't you think there might have been a damn good reason that she did make it? Like maybe it was going to cost her her life. Maybe she's got two other kids at home that are dependent upon her that she needs to be there for. This baby wasn't going to have a chance at survival or a very small chance or or no chance at a normal life. And it was going to kill her. Maybe she needed to, to make a decision about what's going on with her body so she can still be there for her other kids that are already alive. Pro-lifers. Did that ever cross your mind? Because a woman who just doesn't want to be pregnant terminates the pregnancy the second they find out that they're pregnant. A person who wants to have a child carries it into the third trimester. It's that simple. It is not fucking rocket science. It's not. You single-issue voters out there that want that, you know, you vote Republican for for uh, for the reason of abortion and abortion rights and all that stuff and how you want you want pro life you don't you want abortions to be outlawed. You're not attacking the disease. You're attacking a symptom. That's right. You're attacking a symptom, not the disease. The disease is the pregnancy itself. I'll let that sink in for a second, and then um, let that marinate in your head for a second, and then we can get to what I'm talking about. The disease is not the abortion. It is the pregnancy. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you have no unwanted pregnancies, you will have no abortions. Is that right? Is that fair to say? I think it is. So, what I mean by this and I've said this before, but I'm going to go ahead and throw out some numbers. It's, um, let's talk about data. Um, if you want there to be as few abortions as possible, you should vote for a Democrat. And here I'm going to tell you why. Here are the numbers for the presidents in the last 40 years. And here are the changes in abortion over their terms. Reagan saw a, Reagan Republican saw a, a 5.7% increase in abortions during his two terms. Bush Sr. only had one term, and he saw a 0.9% decrease in abortions. Clinton, Democrat, saw a 37% decrease in abortions in two terms. Bush Jr. or George W. saw a 3.7% decrease in abortions. So as you can see, for the most part, we're trending down regardless of party, but like I said, Bush Sr. was a 0.9% and George W. was a 3.7% decrease. Clinton was 37% decrease. And then you go to Obama, 25% decrease. And then Trump, 5% decrease. So if you do a little bit of math, Republican presidents oversaw an increase in abortion totaling 158,000 because of the huge Reagan increase. Um, the Democrats president or the Democratic presidents oversaw a decrease in abortions totaling 3.1 million. We've seen two Democratic presidents and they've absolutely blown the Republicans out of the water when it comes to reducing abortion. It's not even remotely close. It's ridiculously lopsided. 
And this makes sense, though. And I'm going to explain why it makes sense. Even though Republicans are the pro-life and Democrats are pro-choice, the Democrats have chosen to attack the disease, not the symptom. This is what I was getting to. Democrats expand access to birth control. They fund sex ed programs. They do jobs programs. All of these things reduce unwanted pregnancies, which in turn reduce abortions. So if you're a single issue voter and abortion is your number one issue, nothing else matters to you, then that means you should vote Democrat. The Republicans have proven time and time again that they are going to cut funding to all of these things that prevent unwanted pregnancies. They just want to abort or they just want women to carry babies to term women that never wanted a baby to begin with. They want, they weren't planning on having one, but for one reason or another, you know, they, they ended up pregnant. And so if you want to stop abortion, Stop unwanted pregnancies. Simple as that. If you do that, there will be no abortions to be had. Why is that so hard? And why is that? And, and I, I can't imagine I'm the only one that's come up with this thought. I think that there's probably a plethora of peop, other people out there that have brought this up. People that have a louder voice than me. People that can get in front of a group of people and say these things. And yet, I still see all this pro-life shit. It's like, yeah, but it's not, it's not really the, uh, it's not really the, attacking symptoms. Just, it just never, it never gets better. It never gets better. The abortion numbers are going to stay stagnant, stay right where they're at because people are still going to be out there getting pregnant. And, you know, maybe, maybe we should, you know, take a play. Maybe I don't see why the Democrats and Republicans can't come together on this one, on something this simple. And the Republicans are so engraved in their pro-life shit that, that, they, that they lose sight of uh, what it is that could really, really make an impact on this. And I wonder sometimes if maybe that that's um, counterproductive to their motive. I wonder if they need this abortion issue to stay hot and to stay relevant so they can continue to steal the evangelical vote who otherwise would probably vote Democrat. You really think about it. What do the Republicans have to offer that evangelicals just unequivocally give them their support? It's abortion. And if that, the second that becomes not an issue, like if we find a, a common ground in there and that becomes not an issue in this country anymore, then, then, the, then, you know, the Republicans probably look at splitting that evangelical vote or outright losing it for the most part, you know, and, um, and I don't think they want to give that up. And I, and I often wonder if it, are they that cynical? Is it really that bad? Are we really that cynical to where, to, to where you're going to keep issues, issues, and not take steps forward, not make, not make progress j just to keep a certain, you know, a certain group of voters? And, and prior to this president, I wanted to say 
No, surely they're not. Surely our elected officials are not like that. Surely they wouldn't do that. But man, after what I've seen the last four years, I, I, I don't know anymore. I, on, I honestly think that maybe, maybe they would. Maybe that is why. I just, I don't know. Here's another, here's some of the, some of the other hot topics. I mean, abortion is the big one because that one gets the whole evangelical groups. And, and that's frustrating to me. That's frustrating. I wish more of them would look a little deeper. You know, some of you guys are smart people, right? I mean, I get it that you all believe. I won't get into that, but um, I get it that you're naive. We'll just say that. But, but, they, but he's lying to you. They're all lying to you. Look up the numbers. What I just said, what I, those numbers I just suggested, quoted, are actual facts. Those are the actual statistics. And um, so if you really, really care about these babies, you don't want to see abortions, you really are voting for the wrong party. You're putting your support, you're paying your money to the wrong party. You're not voting in your best interest. And in no way are you. Because for the most part, other than that, you're voting against your interest anyways. See, mega churches, churches, regular churches, you guys don't pay taxes, so you don't need the big tax breaks that, um, that Donald Trump or the Republican Party offer. And the Re Republican Party would only offer tax breaks to churches that made, I mean, it would have to be the mega churches. I mean, in order to even qualify, to ever bring in enough money to actually qualify for some of these tax breaks. And, and I don't understand that. Why is it that we give all the breaks to the richest motherfuckers in this country? Because we think that they're going to, in turn, you know, pay their employees better because they're getting the tax breaks? Yeah, when has that ever fucking happened? Trickle-down economics does not work. It never has. It would be stupid to suggest that it would this time. It never will happen. Not in this greedy-ass capitalistic fucking country. There's no addition that adds up to that. There's no addition that adds up to us actually you know, giving a tax break to a large corporation and then having them say, wow, look at all this extra money I have. I better pay my employees better. No, they don't do that. They put it in the bank or, and hide it somewhere where they can, you know, hoard it and keep it away from all of the people that, are, that they're making money off of. Without the workers, these corporations wouldn't be corporations. But they don't see it that way. They see it as, without me, these people would be unemployed. So they should thank God for me. They should thank me every day that I'm giving them anything that resembles a paycheck. Even if I'm paying them poverty wages while I'm sitting in my mansion or driving my Maserati or flying in my private jet or whatever it is that they're doing that is insulting to the labor that has went in to all of the dollars that he's spending. 
but they don't see it that way. They never have, never will. And until we close that wealth gap, things are going to be that way. And is Joe Biden going to come in there and change and, and fix that wealth gap? Hell no. Hell no, he ain't. He can't. He has no way to. I don't know that he knows how to. I don't know that anybody knows how to. But is he going to try? Sure. He sure is. And you know what? He's going to try hard to. And he's going he's gonna to do some things that's going to piss some people off. Sure. But you know what? He's going to do some things that are going to fucking help some people that need the fucking help and not pass tax bills that are going to give gigantic corporations an opportunity to not pay any federal income tax like Amazon and Chevron companies like that that have paid no taxes the last couple of years because of the Trump tax cuts. You mean to tell me that someone who is possibly going to be the country or the world's first trillionaire doesn't need to pay income tax yet a waitress that makes $3 an hour has to. And then, and then on top of that, you're going to make her pay taxes on her tips, but you're not going to make Jeff Bezos pay income tax or, or our president isn't going to pay income tax. But this girl that that is just barely squeaking by has to pay them way more. Why is that? How is anybody okay with that is my question. How is anybody okay with that? I know I am not. If you think about it, Donald Trump in the last 10 years has paid $750 in income tax. $750. When I heard that, I looked at my, and I heard that a long time ago. I heard it, you know, months ago. I looked at my check stub, seeing how much I'd paid in federal income taxes this year already. And the number was way higher than $750, which is what he's paid, what he paid for an entire year, making $400,000 a year base salary for the presidency, $400,000. I don't make that. I don't make anywhere near that. And, and I had already paid, I think, what was it? I can't remember what exactly, around four or $5,000 in federal income tax. And he had paid $750 for the year? Why is that okay? Why, on what planet does that make any fucking sense? We are a consumer-based economy. Consumer-based economy. This is why Republicans always torch the fucking economy, even though they say they're great financial... But they always do because what they always do is they, well, first of all, they cut funding to programs that help people. So people have to spend more of their money on, on their necessities that, um, that they didn't otherwise have to pay. Um, and once again, fighting the, the, the symptom, not the disease. The symptom being people need help. The disease being companies and, and our government is not giving these people livable wages, first of all, and they're not in our, in our country is giving the tax breaks to the people that don't need them. And they're taxing the shit out of the people that need the breaks. 
But when it comes down to it, the real disease is the fact that these companies, these CEOs are taking these gigantic, you know, these gigantic bonuses and packages. Like these, these people are making a thousand percent higher than they made in the seventies. Meanwhile, the average worker has seen not even an increase as high as inflation. So when you, when you see the increase in, um, you know, the increase in salary is like, it, it's, it's uh, flatlined for actually, it's even more on a decline for your average worker when, when measured against the cost of living increase. Meanwhile, what that's done is that's increased the gap that's increased the wealth gap. And then the, so the people that are rich are far richer than the, and the people who were middle-class are now lower middle-class and the people that were lower middle-class are now poverty. And then the poverty people are still poverty and, and now have even less of a chance of ever getting to that next tier. So, so to close the wealth gap, you have to get companies to start respecting their employees enough to give them a livable wage, a livable wage. And you know how you could do that? You could have these companies not have to pay benefits to these employees by giving Medicare for all. Holy shit. Medicare for all. Have it funded by the government. Now, all of a sudden, this gigantic expense that companies have to cover for their employees, you know, to keep their employees happy is no longer there. So therefore they could put that money towards uh, higher salaries, higher salaries, and, and, and still be able to pocket. They could raise people's salaries a significant amount and still pocket more money with, with Medicare for all. They could do that because they would have so much more money not going out because if a company's paying you $15 an hour, it probably costs them $30 an hour to have you because they have to have, they have to cover all the insurance and all of that shit that they wouldn't have to carry if there was Medicare for all. So maybe they don't give you $30 an hour, but maybe they give you 25, You know, so, I mean, and, you know, a company that pays $20 an hour probably has to pay close to four. You know, it's everybody would get a raise, including the, the CEOs. And and everybody would be happier. Everybody would be healthier. Everybody would have insurance. Nobody would have to sell their house because they got sick. Nobody would have to go bankrupt because they got sick. No, nobody would have to wonder where their next meal was coming from because they got sick. They could just get better and then go about their life like every other goddamn country in this world. I don't understand it. Maybe I'm not supposed to understand it. Maybe we're not supposed to understand it. Maybe we're just supposed to sit back and let them fuck us as long as they want to. And, and then we die. Earlier than we should have because we didn't have proper health care. Most of us, some of us do. I don't. I mean, I, I get it through my work, but it's, you know, it's an abbreviated plan. It's not that great. And, you know, it, it isn't because I work for a smaller company that can't afford to offer those kind of benefits and still pay us a decent wage, which they do pay a decent wage. But, 
it's not as good as it could be. It's not as good as it probably should be. And um, I don't know. Um, a lot of the things that the, um, the progressives have in mind are not even really that progressive anywhere else. They're progressive here, but in Europe, they're already doing these things. These aren't, these aren't new ideas. These aren't ideas that Bernie Sanders is a pioneer of. These are ideas that he has gotten from other countries, other countries that have a higher quality of living, higher quality of life. Like, I just, I just read somewhere where um, a person in France was talking to a person in the United States. Um, they were friends, you know, uh, and the guy was like, and the friend from France was saying that he's just, he's just getting ready to finish up med school. The person from the United States is like, wow, how much did that end up costing you? And the guy, uh, and the guy in France said 406, which I know it seems a little high, but that covered all my books and uh, my lodging and everything. And the guy from America said 406,000. And the dude from France said, no, 406 euros. Why? What does it cost there? Think about that. What does it cost to go to school, get a bachelor's degree, and then go to med school and get a medical degree, an MD? What do, what do you think that costs? What does that cost? Depends on where you go, I'm sure. It depends on the kind of scholarships you got. But if you were just a regular person, you went to med school, what do you think that would cost? It's over $100,000 a year. And what's med school? If you can do it all, you know, some, I mean, you can get it done in three years, but that's $300,000. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that a lot of people don't have. And that is the other reason the wealth gap stays because the people that can afford that are already rich. They're, you know, they've already got money, their trust fund, they've got their parents have money. They're going to pay for them to get the best education and, and, and which in turn, they get the best jobs. And, and it's not their fault that they, I mean, you know, they didn't, it's not anything they did, but it's still not fair to the person who doesn't come from, you know, doesn't come from money that maybe wanted to be a doctor too. But they can't be because they can't afford it. Their parents can't afford to put them through med school. They can't get a, a part-time job and work their way through college. There's no way. $100,000 a year? <laughs> I mean, no, no part-time job makes that. Most full-time jobs don't make that. Not anywhere in this country. So... So that keeps, you know, that keeps your, keeps your wealth gap, you know. I just want to see some things change here. And I know that a president isn't going to be able to change, come in here and just change all this stuff. But you know what? At least he's not going to make the problem worse. He's going to come in. He's going to probably make, you know, do some things that may help. A little bit, you know, but 
but at least he's not going to make the problem worse. If if everybody just would do just a little bit, we could close the gap at least a little bit, at least make it a little closer to fair. Tuition-free schooling and a Medicare for all would do so much for this country. It would do so much for the little guy, so much for the for the you know the person who doesn't have the advantages that the uber rich do. It would give them a chance to get up there and to be their colleagues. Like, hey, maybe if you work really hard, you could make you could get yourself to that to that level or at least close. But if you have to drown yourself in debt in order to ever be successful, then the chances of you being successful are very slim. Because once you graduate, now you've got all of these student loans looming over your head. And what, what if you don't find a job for a year or two? Now you're tacking on interest on these loans. And, and before you know it, you are so drowned in debt that there is no way out of it. And then bankruptcy won't even fucking cover it now. Like, so you're just, you're just stuck with all of this debt for the rest of your life. You're, and you, you know, you get a paycheck. Even if you get a good job, they're garnishing half your wages. You're never going to, you'll never get ahead. You'll never be anything but poverty. All because you wanted to try to better yourself. How is that fair? It's not fair. God forbid you get sick too. Because then you're going to have even more debt. And the only thing that's as ridiculously priced as college is fucking medical care. So those two things are basically the disease. We could attack both of those things. A Bernie Sanders presidency with a Democratic majority in the House and Senate would, would have fixed these things. Now, would it have happened? Probably not. It doesn't look like um, the Dems will get the Senate. But if they do, Biden is not going to do those things. And, that, and that's frustrating to me. And, I'm, and, you know, as hard as I've been on Donald Trump, I'll be just as hard on Biden if, if he doesn't take some measures to really help this issue. And these issues can be fixed very easily. And I think uh, Obama, Obama had the right idea when he did, you know, the Affordable Care Act. And, but, and, and as he stated multiple times, this was never meant to be the finished project. It was the best he could get through. He didn't have a supermajority. He needed, he relied on, you know, people voting for it that were not in the party. He barely got it passed. So he had to make some, he had to make some compromises in order to get anything passed. And when he did pass it, it was not meant to be the end. It was the foundation to build towards Medicare for all. But then, you know, Donald Trump comes in and he spends the next four years trying to repeal the Affordable Care Act during a pandemic for the last year. Take people's coverage away and their protection against pre-existing conditions. Give me a break, man. What kind of monster does that? Anyways. Hopefully, this is the last time I talk about, have to talk about 
these negative things about what's happening to our country. Hopefully, Joe Biden's going to get in there and do some things, you know, mix some shit up right away. I hope so. I hope we win these Senate seats first and foremost. If we can win these Senate seats, we can see a lot of improvements really fast. A few of the things that we're definitely going to see right away are the executive orders. You know, the one thing Donald Trump did was he signed a lot of executive orders and he did these things, you know, these horrible things via executive order. What I doubt he probably even realizes is that when it when it is a, you know, a law or a bill that is an executive order, that the next president can come right in and via the executive order, you know, get rid of it. You know, these things weren't voted on and, and you know, put in place by Congress. These things were, you know, put in only by him signing them. So that's they can go away just that easy. So hopefully what he does is he gets us back in the Iran nuclear deal. So those crazy motherfuckers can quit building nuclear bombs over there. And maybe um, maybe he could uh, improve some relations with Iran uh, just for the simple fact that we don't really need them all pissed off at us, you know, especially if they're building nuclear weapons. I mean, why not just try to get along with these motherfuckers? I mean, why is that so goddamn hard? Just get along with them. I don't know why we can't do that with most places. You know, I get it. If they're torturing their people and they're being, they're being oppressive of their people or whatever, then we know what we need to step in and we need to tell them that's not right. We don't like that and we're not going to stand for it. And we help these people get rid of these tyrannical, you know, governments. And, and Iran is kind of teeters on that, but, you know, not so much. And, you know, a lot of the news coverage is, is, is very misleading. Like when you talk to people from Iran, they, for the most part, you know, they're not they're not that oppressed anymore. And they're a lot, you know, like when they show Iran, they always show like, the, you know, the people wearing the turbans and, you know, the, these religious, um, the religious like fundamentalists. But a lot of them over there are not like that. You know, a lot of them are over there wearing jeans and T-shirts, you know, or they're working regular jobs just like you and I. You know, the women are not wearing, you know, burkas and they're, you know, they're just wearing normal what women wear stuff, you know, they're driving, they're doing their thing. They're, it's not that oppressive. It's not as oppressive as they've made it look, you know, they, but they do some things that we don't like, but you know, it's none of our fucking business really. Um, unless they're torturing people or, you know, doing some inhumane things, you know, we really need to stay out of their politics as much as we can, you know, and, and we need to get back in that Iran nuclear deal. And I bet you if we stayed the fuck out of their business and we got back in that deal, I bet you anything they'd probably quit making nuclear bombs and they definitely wouldn't have, if they they definitely wouldn't be aiming them at us. Another thing is, is these Middle Eastern countries, you know, they hate us. And you know, we always say that they hate us because, you know, we're white or they hate us because we're Christian, we're not Muslims, or they hate us because of whatever reason, the plethora of other reasons why they hate us. But it's not Really that they hate us because we're over there stealing their fucking oil because we rely on oil so much they hate us because we're doing that the problem being for them especially is that they live on a desert basically it's not really um a fertile ground you know to grow crops to um to, to make food but they do have this oil they sit on these big giant oil reservoirs now what they do with those is they drill out oil and then they sell it or trade it, you know, 
for supplies, other supplies that they need that they're not capable of making themselves. Now, if we're over there stealing, their only currency they have to trade with, you know, and their survival depends on it. What, what, what do we expect? What, what are they going to do? They have to do something. We are naive to think that they're not going to do it because they need it. They have to. They have to. And when we sanction them, that just makes it worse. Get back in the Iran nuclear deal. I'm hoping Joe Biden does that. He can do that with an executive order because that's how we got out of it. Get back in the Paris Climate Accord. Let's fix this earth, too. We can do both of those things right out of day one. Joe Biden needs to do those things day one. Then you know what? I'm going to have a lot more support. I'm going to have a lot more backing for him, and I'm going to be a lot more excited about a presidency that has him in it. He said that he's going to do both of these things. Now, we need to hold him as accountable as we've held Donald Trump these last four years. He needs to do these things, and he needs to do these, you know, fulfill these promises that he's made. And, um, and if he doesn't, then he needs to get backlash for that. I'm not a partisan hack. I, I, I want to see things done. I want to see the right things done. And as long as he does those things, then you know what? He's going to have my, uh, my unequivocal support, which he should get. Um, so let's hope that's what happens. But I kept you guys a little longer than I wanted to. And probably longer than you wanted to listen to it, if you're even listening at all. So I'm going to leave it at that. Let's um, let's get behind Joe Biden. Let's support him, and let's hope that he does all of the right things that he said he's going to do. I love y'all. Goodbye.